Welcome back to another episode of Life with Lamb today. I'm here with Monique Bevan. How you doing? Hello, I'm good. Uh, Great to be here. Yeah, no, literally. We've had a bit of a dilemma. The form and, and Google and all its witchcraft and whatever it's about, <laughs> um, the form hasn't sent. So we don't necessarily have a structure, but uh, for context as well, I work with Monique, who has now informed me that uh, after all this time I've been calling her Mon, uh, apparently she goes by Monique, so I apologise. <laughs> no need to apologise. Um, Monique and I have been working uh, together for quite a while, I would say. Like, a year. Yeah, it's been a year. Is, has it been your year anniversary? Mm-hmm. Wow, incredible. So we've been well acquainted, but ne- haven't necessarily dived deep into, um, I guess, what you're about. And this is what the podcast is. And I guess for the listeners, um, what is your motto or your coaching stance at the moment? (laughs) Well, I call myself a love and relationship coach just for ease because people can relate to that and understand it. Um, But it's really about just getting to the core of a person, like their true nature and connecting them with their passion, whether that be, you know, their passion in life or for life, um, passion with love and relationship, but generally connecting them to that part of their being that's really their life force. Incredible. I'm keen to unpack. I think I've had a few life coaches on um, and it's been interesting sort of listening to the certain narratives and uh, perspectives that each of them hold. So I'm keen to unpack yours as well. Mm. And after such a long time of being acquainted, it's like, let's get real, let's get (laughs) raw. I'm really keen to, yeah, obviously unpack your story. I guess early days, did you ever know that coaching was something that you wanted to delve into? (laughs) Early days. Are we talking early days? In my life? I guess early days for me was in year 10 when everyone in my family was saying, so what do you want to do? You mm. know, like it's getting to that pointy end where you start picking your subjects, you start getting into VCE, you want to achieve that really high ATAR and get into that really great institution for myself. It was Uni Melbourne and 95 ATAR um, and you sold this narrative. It's like, okay, you're going to conquer the world now. <laughs> like, it's it's all good. Um, not necessarily the case and have slowly grown and realized that um, through interviewing people and mm. um, getting to know different stories and perspectives. I guess for you, when did it all start? <laughs> well, for a start, in year 10, that was back in the 80s. <laughs> so a coach was like someone you had to play basketball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so no, coaching wasn't on the radar at all. Um, and, you know, I really was quite rebellious at school. I can sense that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Which has served me really well mm. in lots of ways and um, in other ways not, <laughs> especially if I'm being rebellious against my own self. Mm. Um, but in year 10, I decided I was wanted to be an exchange student. So that took a while and mid-year 11, I left and went to the States for a year. So that kind of changed the whole trajectory of everything because in my mind, I left the country thinking I had to come back and after a year and complete year 11 and year 12 and be a year behind all my friends. Um, and I was willing to do that just to have the experience, which was, you know, I look back on that and I go, wow. Yeah. What, what compelled you to do that? I don't think, especially in Melbourne, we're in such a close knit bubble. Everyone's sort of looking around at each other, sussing each other out. Oh, what, what are they going to do? Uh, what ATAR are they going to get? Um, what job are they going to get into? Are they going to be successful? Um, X, Y, Z. What compelled you to 
go to the States. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who came from the US and was an exchange student and we just got along really well and I thought, this is a great opportunity. Why wouldn't I do it? So I think seeing somebody actually leave their home and come to Australia for a year was really good. Mm. Um, and look, times were different then. There wasn't the same sort of pressure. There was different pressures, but just definitely not the same as like my my daughter who's 22 and all of her friends and you and everybody that we work with because everybody's 22, aren't they? <laughs> Lily Lemon. <laughs> do you mind elaborating a bit? on the difference in pressures now, like what are you Mm. seeing in your daughter's life that might have been contrasted with, say, Mm. yours? Mm. Well, this was before the invention of internet. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Imagine that. So, (laughs) thank God, right, because um, we wouldn't have done a lot of the things that we did as teenagers if we thought we were going to be filmed doing it, you know, that we could be cancelled, that we could be, you know, ostracized or you know exposed in any way it was just a totally different environment so I think that you know you guys have grown up in a very anxious um, environment anxious anxiety provoking environment absolutely it's like walking on eggshells oh you're exposed to so much more information to so and it's right at your fingertips and that's stressful like my dad used to watch the news every night and that was stressful. Six o'clock news for half an hour, I'd be like, oh, God, can't, can't cope with that. There's too much war and everything going on. And I, I just like chose not to watch the news because it was stressful. And now you guys are 24-7 being bombarded with whatever, whichever platform's feeding it to, you know, and it's this feeding, feeding, feeding. And if you get down a, a, like an algorithm just feeds you the same stuff so then you know this very narrow focus can happen for some people which is detrimental to their mental health absolutely much simpler times uh back then or i guess like in its own right in that sense that you yeah don't get um personalized emails or personalized marketing where it's just going to feed you the same stuff that you're subscribed to Mm. over and over and over again yeah um well when i studied marketing (laughs) The biggest thing was direct mail where we actually had computers. We did (laughs) just where we could actually. No, I know you laugh, right? But it's true. It's true. I remember my parents saying when they all got TV, they sat around the TV because, you know, there was only one person in the street who had one. I'm like that with computers. My generation's like that. I'm like, oh, anyway, that was um, the latest thing. You got a personalized um, letter. In the letterbox. Oh, okay. So, but that would have been an incredible experience. Can you talk to us a bit about, like, the euphoria of sitting around this mysterious thing that, I don't know, has access to the interweb or the internet? The computer? Yeah. Well, it didn't have access oh, to no, the computer. Oh, no, it didn't even have... Day. Okay, I'm jumping too no, far ahead. Hey. way too <laughs> far ahead. <laughs> All right, put it in context. Okay, go on. When I was at university... Okay, so we'll backtrack a little bit and I'll tell you, I went to the States with that view of I had to come back to Mm. Australia and complete year 11 and 12. I left the country, um, well, I left Victoria and went to Sydney for a two-day orientation program with returnees from the exchange program. And they said, if you get into year 12 in the US, you can then apply uh, do your, your scholastic aptitude tests, which are recognised internationally, and apply as an international student to university. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what I did. 
Incredible. So I got straight into university um, when I came back from the US and while all my friends were stressing out doing VCE. So I managed to escape that whole stress, that pathway where you had to have this amazing score to get in. So I'd not done any exams and I entered into university. So it proved to me you really don't need all of that stress in order to perform well in uni or life generally. Mm. Like I think to stress as a thing that we do to ourselves is so pointless. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I got into a degree in business. Okay, incredible. And I think that eases a lot of minds, particularly for people who are a bit younger and experiencing that. I saw my brother sit all the university exams. Oh, sorry, not university. Oh my God, I'm getting ahead of myself. He's VC year 12 exams. Mm. And he's a pretty cool and calm collected kid. Like I really respect uh, the way that he went about it. But just the pressure from um, even my year level as well, if I reflect back, some kids were just drawn to their desk and just like wouldn't leave and would mind blank during exams and just would not be able to perform. And mm. then it's just this like cycle of just cram, cram, cram. Um, yeah, I do understand this, but at what level it's just like, a, a what do they call it? Lote learning? No. Um, rote. Rote. Mm. Rote learning where it's like, oh, I've just written it over and over and over again. So it's now just embedded, but mm. there's nothing. You make a great robot. Exactly. <laughs> right. And that's how we're programmed as well. Whereas you see people who might not necessarily have done the best at school. I look down on it, but then end up going to uni anyway mm. through a different pathway. So it's like, it's not even all that. Like they offer university through that entrance level because they want to get kids in education and pay off a bit more money yeah and there's this pressure to do it fast mm. you know like life's gonna you know you got to get in get get your uni degree then get a job and then get the house and then have the kids and then have the career and then die <laughs> Pretty, essentially as well i know right um yeah and it's just so fast paced as well like everyone has to everyone everything and everyone has to get shit done pretty yeah. much which I, I like that attitude, but when it comes to a, a life sense and your life timeline, no one timeline is going to be the same. Mm. So it's hard to um, enforce this narrative on people without having people experience stress. And you talk about stress a lot. Can you elaborate a bit about it? Like mm. the stresses in your life, what you're seeing in today as mm-hmm. well? Yeah. So um, after I finished uni, I was on that pathway of like, right, Got to get busy, got to get life happening. And I was just keen to get Mm. life happening. So um, when I think when you're not aligned with what your heart really wants, it becomes very stressful because you're then trying to meet everybody else's idea of what is good for you, you know. And if you haven't got the connection with what's good for you for yourself, then it makes it really stressful. So I was quite happy and life was quite flowing for me in a lot of ways. Um, And I wanted to, when I finished my uni, I wanted to go into advertising. So I just, you know, got all the opportunities as they came. I'm incredibly, you know, I feel very privileged for the opportunities that I've had over life. Um, And so, yeah, I got into advertising And that was stressful because you had to perform and, um, you know, I wanted to climb the corporate ladder and I was doing really, really well as an account manager and um, that was great. Life was good and that was good stress. That was like, you know, performance stress. Mm. Um, 
And then, of course, you know, there's anxiety about, oh, am I going to make enough money? What am I going to do? I'm going to move out, things like that. I didn't travel um, as a young person. I kind of just, because I'd had that year overseas, I think I just wanted to come in and just work and climb that corporate ladder. And, um, and then one day I met my um, husband and I fell in love. And that opened my eyes to, oh, and he did as well because of the person that he was, just opened my eyes to what's valuable in life. And I then looked around all the people who were in this agency and majority of the senior people at the time were men. And it was a very, very toxic time to be in an advertising agency and to be um, in the corporate environment as well, you know. And I think I was a little bit just... To, to sit down and be in a corporate role was just going against my, my grain. As much as I wanted to have this career with lots of money and opportunities, it just was just rubbing against me, which was really unexpected. I didn't anticipate that at all. Mm. Um, so, yeah, love kind of opened my eyes to different values. And so looking around me, I just went, oh, my God, these people just don't inspire me. And I looked at other women as well who were in the agency and there was one woman who was, I was at the time only in my early 20s and she was coming up to around 30 and she was contemplating having a baby but she was terrified because back in the day there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't maternity leave like paid maternity leave or anything like that and breaking your way back in to a career was really challenging because lots of things happen. Absolutely, particularly as a as a woman as oh, well. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit on? Okay, firstly, why business? What what mm. struck out to you? Was it mm. just something that um, was what everyone else was doing? Because most certainly, I was like, well, I got the grades for it. I might as well mm. go into something that's like pretty po- prosperous. That mm-hmm. um, wasn't medicine. I didn't have an interest in that, but it was like the next sort of high achievers um, realm that yeah. you would enter. I would say same reason. Yeah. Yeah, same reason. My eldest sister was also, she'd also done a Bachelor of Business and um, I really admired her and looked up to her a lot. Um, and my dad had his own business, like he was an auto electrician, and but he ran his own business, which I thought was pretty cool back in the day. Um, so, yeah, I really aspired to having a career, something that I could just progress in and that there was a ladder to climb, you know, mm. so... Um, yeah, that's um, that's why I chose business. Yeah, but I chose to specialize in marketing because I recognized I had a bit of a creative flair. So mm. I wanted to actually work with creatives. So I, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really want to sit down and crunch numbers. And uh, even though I had to do a lot of numbers in the business side of things, bachelor of business, but um, yeah, didn't want to crunch numbers. Um, HR at the time wasn't real. It was very uh, wasn't what it is today it was very much like industrial relations and personnel and rules and like you know your lawyers of your um, employee relations Um, so it was all a bit dry for me I wanted to be in the fun environment playing with creatives (laughs) and going out for long lunches like seriously long lunches Just you wouldn't believe what no, goes I, on. I love that. I think yeah, on that on that note, like we can both relate as well. Like I never saw eye to eye with like punching the numbers and everything. I think nowadays you see 
uh, I guess, like, marketing take a spin where there is an importance on numbers as well. Like, everyone's all about, like, the social media, the SEOs, like, how much conversion you're getting and all those mm. um, different metrics and uh, ratios that you have to be on top of. But, yeah, for the most part, it's, like, I've always enjoyed the creative aspect. So, yeah. love that about it. Yeah. Um, talk to us about, I guess, the patriarchal corporate scene and what mm. it was like being a woman um, trying to climb the corporate ranks. Like, were there... Um, I guess, blatant opportunities that weren't passed over to you because you were a woman? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah Can yeah. you talk to us a bit about there it? There was. There was. There's, I definitely experienced that, missing out on promotions because, you know, it was a very much a boys' club, mm. particularly in advertising. Um, and, yeah, there were occasions where, you know, as an account manager there would be an account director and then there'd be more senior guys um very few women you know I was just the I was just the one in the skirt sort of thing you know although you know certain people in the organization were um they'd recognize my my value Mm. um but yeah different times but one time I remember getting incredibly angry because um the account director decided to take my client out to the football Right, so they would often go to the football and into the corporate box and everything. But then after the football, took them to a strip club, and that one they didn't invite me to the football for a start. And secondly, they probably would not have gone to a strip club um, if I was there. But it was just that thing of like, wow, so many ways of inappropriate, mm, even back for that day. Like seriously, but I think you know a lot of that behaviour did stop not long after I left. That kind of environment. So feeling overstepped and sort of invalidated for the value that you you do bring to a company, how did that impact you? Um, I guess you mentioned yourself as quite the rebel, quite outspoken, related to the creativeness um, and very flamboyant, I think. Like that's the the Mm. image that I... Uh, I'm thinking of when I think of you, Mo- uh, Monique. <laughs> you can call me Monique. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, like taking some unlearning to do. But um, yeah, I guess like when I think of you, like quite the flamboyant character, um, how did that impact like your ego and everything? Like how did that make you feel? Mm. You know, you're quite qualified for these uh, roles and positions and you're being overstepped by mm. someone who, I don't know, is just a man. Yeah, you know, like what, what's the difference? <laughs> yeah, it just it just opened my eyes actually, and I didn't want to fight. I just went, oh, this is not for me. I actually don't want to. This is not my fight to fight. Um, it kind of, I kind of just went, what else is there for me? Because, like I said, I'd my eyes had been opened anyway to other values and to love, and so I was like, well. <laughs> the world's my oyster like why would I get caught in this particular paradigm doing this thing um when it doesn't feel right for me it doesn't feel true for me so you know not only did I look at the people around me and say they didn't inspire me the whole the whole setup didn't inspire me it's like what are we actually doing in advertising what are we selling like I I don't know whether I just want to sell cheese you know how does how do I feel about selling cheese? How am I going to feel if I'm selling something that um, is not great for the environment? How am I going to feel when um, you know I don't agree with a client and their product, but I've got to be their account manager? So you know I started to really question 
a bigger picture mm, when those things came towards me. Incredible. And I think a, a lot of people do get to that stage where they do start to question like the environment that they're in, but they don't have the courage to necessarily make that step and understand that there is other opportunities elsewhere. Um, I'm not sure if you're too familiar with like the sunk cost fallacy. No. Um, it's, it's something that I've realized, especially going through university where the more you put into something, the more attached you get to it. So Mm -hmm. with my university degree, it was like, okay, I finished first year, really hated it, did not enjoy it at all, but there's two years left. I might as well just finish it. And then it goes to second year and you're like, geez, like that was so uninspiring. (laughs) I hated that, but I've got one more year to go. So it's like, I might as well stay in that and continue. Right. Yeah. So you've worked, obviously your business degree, you've achieved that. Mm. And then you've wound up in an advertising agency for how many years? Just a couple. Oh, just a couple. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't like too attached, but no. what um, advice would you have for people who can't necessarily find that courage and are really attached to something that they've put so much effort into? Well, find the courage for a start <laughs> to actually have a, have a good look about what it is that you really, really want. Like, what are you passionate about? What do you really, what lights you up and go for that. And don't, th- don't worry about what the norm is like, what people think you should be doing or how you should be doing it just because your parents did that or all your friends are doing this and this is the path that's been forged. You know, you might be one of those people that creates something completely original and new and, you know, all of these things are coming into your life, stimulating that to come up into your consciousness to actually take that action. Um, so courage is number one step. How do do you go about finding courage? I think when I've spoken to a few life coaches, I I remember Trang in a few episodes ago, she um, likes to fall back onto like a deathbed legacy uh, sort of thing. So it's like when it's all said and done and you're on your deathbed and you look back at what you've achieved, will you be proud of it or will you be left wanting more Mm. and wanting more... um, accomplishment and achievement to come your way but you didn't necessarily go out and do it Mm. how do you find that courage do you have any techniques that you use yourself oh for me personally yeah yeah it's about staying focused on what it is that I really really want to create in my life and I love um there's the deathbed analogy yes that's great there's also the recent one who's like do it for the plot have you heard that? I have not. Please talk to us. <sighs> my about daughter it. brought that one to my attention. I just love it. I love it, love it, love it. It's like, you know, for, for book lovers or movie buffs, just when life happens, you know, take action for the plot. So, like, <laughs> how interesting is the plot of your life? And when you're reading books and you're watching movies, you're like, oh, wow, what a life that person's having, or that's amazing, or what, how courageous are they? So if you keep that in the top of your mind, like do it for the plot. Do it for the plot. It's outrageous, but I'm going to do it for the plot. Like, <laughs> this is going to be a great story I can tell one day. Oh. So there's that. But, I mean, I have a whole system of how to stay focused and how to be courageous and how to be aligned with what your heart really wants, um, which is a whole other discussion. But, yeah, courage to, to leave the agency was kind of obvious. It just wasn't, wasn't floating my boat. So I just went all right, I'm going to do something else. I felt like I was capable. So, Mm. you know, I think at the core of your being, you have to actually feel like you're capable um, to have courage. So 
if you can't get to that point, you've really got to actually invite some help and ask for help to find that place where you do feel capable to have the courage to take the steps that you need to take. Yeah, brilliant. So from, I guess, leaving the agency, finding love, what were the steps from there? Um, How did life develop from that aspect? So I just decided I would follow something that interested me, which was natural health. So I don't know, I just sort of came across a book in my first boyfriend's mother's bookshelf about um, by this guy called The Nature Doctor, Alfred Vogel, right, who was this Swiss um, guy, the founder of um, Bioforce, um, which is a herbal company Hmm. in Switzerland. And I remember reading the book and going, oh, this is really interesting. Like, this is fascinating. What an interesting approach to health because it was all talking about um, nature being providing everything we need because we're part of nature and we're providing everything it provides everything that you as part of nature needs to actually restore health and I was like wow I really like this and it was this very thick book so every time I was there I was like reading it and then I'd forgotten about it for a long time and then I remember I was um, before the days of internet I was <laughs> I was trying to determine like what's my strengths what are my things that I'm interested in and I remember there was some some questionnaire thing that I filled out and it kept leading me towards health and well-being and or creative endeavors and careers and pathways so um, I was looking to re-educate myself in something and I came across naturopathy and herbal medicine. So I went, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a full-time student. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to study naturopathy and um, I'll look for a job, just any job, part-time or whatever, or or keep my eye open on the newspaper (laughs) because that's where ads were for jobs. At the back of the (laughs) paper. On the classifieds. (laughs) I'll keep my eye on the paper for a suitable job, Mm. right? So I made that decision and, of course, this is what happens, right? When you align with your heart and you align with what it is that you really actually want to do, lo and behold, my perfect dream job became uh, available in the newspaper and it was a product and marketing manager for Bioforce Australia. Oh, brilliant. The what guy the who wrote uh, Alfred Vogel's company, right? Oh, so good. I know. And marketing as well. And marketing. Oh, So I went, oh, that's my job. Wait, what was that word? Did you just serendipity? Serendipity. Is that? It's kind that? of like you know, it's not coincidence. Yeah, it's, it's like, like you've manifested. Serendipitous. It. It's yeah. Yeah. It's, okay. Brilliant. I love that word. Magic. Yeah. It is magic. a good word, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's, it's like magic. Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, so I just went. Oh, that's my job. So I basically I rang them and I said, uh, I want to come to an interview for my job. <laughs> And I rolled in there like, this is my job. Of course you did, yeah. <laughs> I did. I just, this is my job. And I gave them the whole spiel about, you know, where I'd come from, what it, how I got to where I was and why I was the right person for the job. It's a very small organisation in, in Australia. At the time, there was six people in the office. So I was the marketing department. <laughs> and it was a new role, a new position. And they wanted someone more senior, but... Well, they told me later after they gave me the job, mm. they wanted someone more senior, and um, but they were <laughs> they were just like taken by my enthusiasm that I'd claimed the job as my own. Absolutely. So they actually, before I'd even enrolled in any courses, um, I got this job because enrolment was coming, like it was months down the track. 
And um, they said, we'll pay for you to study herbal medicine. So there I was enrolled in um, uh, Endeavour College of Natural Medicine and um, being paid full-time to study it <laughs> and full-time job as product manager. So good. Do you ever look back at that experience and wonder, like, was it chance, was it luck, or was it meant to be? Well, those sorts of things have come very naturally to me. Like, you know, once I decide on something and I'm really clear, life just comes to meet me and opportunities just come through people, through events, through different things. And it's only been in recent years that I've really understood the mechanics of that. Please talk to me about it. Because well, it's part of what I do in coaching, yeah. oh, James. Yes. So like, yeah. Incredible. <laughs> book in. Oh, book in, yeah, literally. <laughs> no, it's one of those things. Um, so I recently finished uni- university and um, I feel like the energy that I've put out for content creation, podcasting and editing it has all just come full circle and it's just started to align and connect the pieces a little bit. I've always felt super lost in what exactly it is that I wanted to do, but, um, posted like a reel here and there. Um, and a company reached out and they're like, you know, we want you to make some content for us. Like that'd be incredible. And I think the pieces are slowly falling and and starting to piece together as well. Um, and I, I don't know, like the mechanics of it. Um, I'd love if you had an opportunity to share, but obviously understand if you can't. But I think there's such importance in being able to like be fully aligned in something mm. because the opportunities start coming your way. Mm, absolutely. Well, you know, I love that for you. I think that's fantastic. And your perseverance and tenacity to keep going with it, even if things look like they weren't happening, you know, you're just mm. like, no, just keep going, just keep going. And I wonder, like, were you listening to a part of yourself that felt intuitive, that felt like, you know, just a little whisper in the ear says, just uh, keep going. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It, it wasn't even uh, an intrinsic thing. I, I had a chat with Ben Hargreaves on the podcast as well, and he grew his following from 2,000 followers to he's now sitting at, I reckon, like 300, 400K followers. Just, to, not just, sorry, taking photos of cars and doing something that he loves, just documenting it, and he's able to quit his full-time job. Wow. And he's just taken life by the balls and Mm. seriously just gone with it and it's paying off. So that conversation there and many conversations that I have on this podcast have just kept in the back of my head and I've just Mm. held on to that no matter how hard it is when say like an episode doesn't do too well or a post doesn't do too well and you're like, damn, like I put in all the hours for Mm. like that and it's like, well, yeah, you do it because you want to keep sharing these stories and make it that reality. Because you're passionate about exactly, it, Exactly, right? because I'm yeah. passionate about it. And I sat at the start of the podcast a couple of years back being like, what is my passion? Like, I don't know what it is, but I think I've found it. Like, talking to people, uncovering stories, navigating this thing called life is, like, my passion. And I want to share as many stories as I can to other people so that they don't feel as alone mm. in the whole process of life. Because it's, mm. it's confusing. It's yeah. hard. Mm. You you judge yourself and you feel so inferior to other people because they're achieving such great things. Mm. But you look at yourself and you're like, well, what am I doing? And it's like, that's not, not the case at all. Mm. And we're all on, all on different trajectories. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love hearing that because passion is one of the things. That's like, you know, I help people find their passion. And that's exactly it. You've just been following your heart and 
you're not letting it down. You're not letting it go because it's there and you're staying the course to actually bring to fruition what your heart really wants. Mm. So I can't remember what the question was because I was totally absorbed (laughs) in listening to you, Jaden. Sorry, I just took over for a second. I don't normally do that. but I have that effect on people. (laughs) I really do. People just start to tell me stuff. Yeah, well, it's seriously – that's incredible as well. I love that. Um, But – it's lighting me up that we're having this conversation as well because I think it's so important, mm. the idea of passion. Yeah. Well, there is actually a system mm. that or a structure. So if you, if you look at the whole view of the world and, um, oh, gosh, I'm going to get all existential here. Go on. Um, so my view, in my form that I thought I sent to you that you didn't get, <laughs> yes. I said an important thing that you need to know is my view – of life is that I'm a spirit or a soul having a human experience, right? So that actually informs my view of the world, my perspective of the world. Um, So with that in mind, there is a whole reality going on that's energetic. That's like, you know, this is, this is structure. We have structures and, but it's actually, it's energy as well. So we have form and essence. And those two things exist together. And if you create a structure like, um, say, if you look at like a river, you've got the river bank, which is like the form, and you've got the river, which is the flow or the energy that flows through it. Mm. Um, So if you understand those, those very simple elements... This is trying to explain something that's really complex. You're but, doing great. It's making okay. sense. Okay, that helps. great. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. So if you want to manifest something, if you want to make it manifest, a structure, something in the world, there is an essence that you connect to. So you might have a vision, for example, for yourself and for me, that's about connecting to your heart space, which is to me connecting to your true nature, the part of you that's not conditioned, that's not, you know, stuck in ego, that's not um, limited. It's an unlimited aspect of self. It's uh, even what Buddhists would call consciousness. Mm. So connecting in with that, your soul, if you like, um, finding out what that is, that, that the evolution of your soul. So your soul wants to evolve in life um i look at it like i'm here on a journey to evolve my soul so there are things that i need to do in this life to actually have that happen and to have my best life so i'll go on a vision quest listen to anything that you know while i go to a specific place (laughs) to see what's what's there for me in the future And what do I want to create in the future? What do I want to create? So I then have a structure put in place where I'm always focusing on a few things that are in the future and becoming magnetizing those things to me Mm. through, you know, specific techniques. Incredible. You mentioned like the condition or the conditioning of society as well. Mm. And and the, um, I guess, mass influx of ego as well maybe not even influx because it's all innate like we all have an ego just Mm. depends on how big and small it Mm -hmm. is and how um in control of it we are um 
and also, I guess there's an abundance of misinformation or information going around, which causes stress and everything to impact um, the energy or the soul, as you were saying. Mm. How do you negate those aspects? Mm. Is there a, a way that you go about it? Um, there's just so much noise in the world, which makes mm. it so hard to get really clear and specific with exactly mm. what you want to do. Um, is there one thing that jumps to mind that has helped you? Practice. Mm. <laughs> so um, I don't know if you know, but I do yoga and I'm, I have a, a home practice of yoga, which is daily, a daily yoga practice. And I have other practices attached to that, which help keep me focused. But like anything you want to hone, anything you want to become a master at, masterful in or at, you practice. So overcoming the, the, the power of the ego, so the part of you that wants to be, wants to survive, so ego's a beautiful thing. It's it's uh, designed to help us survive. And so and what our soul really wants is for us to thrive. So how do you how do you go from survival mode into thrive mode? And it's when you practice, when you practice connecting all the time back into that higher self, that part that wants you to thrive. And that requires constant uh, connection. Yeah. coming back to it all the time and so lots of people find that connection through music through through art through creativity through meditation through yoga through tai chi through all sorts of different ways but when you connect with that part you actually know you feel it yeah okay so for yourself yoga has been a staple to your life for how many years well i after i had the marketing job uh, with Bioforce Australia. Mm. <laughs> I actually quit there after a couple of years because uh, the managing director um, left. He was inspirational. He was young and he had a yacht and a two-year-old and a wife and he went, right, I'm going to <laughs> sail around the world. Take my See family. Ya. See yeah. ya. <laughs> I'm like, no, you're my dream boss. Um, and the guy that, that took over, I don't think we, we were a very good match. But by that stage, I'd already done a lot of my qualifications so I was like all right that's okay I'll do something else Mm. and so I just took my time there's a few other stories in between there but ultimately what ended up happening was I opened my own business with my husband at the time um, which was a yoga studio and wellness center and a couple of years after that a retail shop and I had no I the last time I'd done yoga when I opened this this business the last time I'd done yoga was in grade six Right. So it was like, and it was one of those things where there was this woman called Swami Saraswati who used to be on TV um, when I was a kid in her black leotard and she'd be doing yoga morning, like, which was, you know, that's pretty um, progressive for the day. Although it was the 70s, so it was like... Everyone in their flare pants. Yeah, it was still a sort of bit sort of, yeah, fringe. Fringe. It was fringe. Fringe, And even, even in 1997 when I opened the business... Yoga was, you know, still there, but it wasn't huge, nothing like what it is now. And I had no, I didn't, it was one of those serendipitous things. I had no intention to have a yoga studio. I wanted to have a shop with a couple of rooms out the back to, for naturopaths um, and massage therapists. Um, anyway, turns out <laughs> I walked into the right, to the place that I was looking to, to um, lease because like, I tried lots of different spaces and I walked into this one space and I went, 
maybe I could completely change what I was going to do and open a yoga studio. Let me go and find a yoga teacher. (laughs) (laughs) What um, separated that space from the others? Like what um, inspired that thought? Well, I was originally looking for retail space Mm. that would house two rooms out the back. So I wanted to have like a health food shop sort of scenario. Yep with essential oils and, you know, lifestyle, like things that would support uh, a more spiritual lifestyle and more health-oriented lifestyle. And, um, yeah, so every every place that I looked at, I was like, oh, it's not quite right, it's not quite right. And then there was this building that had been renovated in Eltham and it was just a little bit quirky, a little bit different. And it was the it was an upstairs office area that was available to, to lease. So I went up there and I, I looked at it with my husband and I and we looked at each other and we went, this is really nice. Why don't we just actually do um, more treatment rooms and a yoga studio and have retail as a secondary thing? Like we'll just sell yoga mats and heat weights and essential oils and incense Mm. right in the wellness studio so we're like oh okay let's do that so we did that um and then two years later underneath was this whole other business there was this great um it was actually quite a really lovely community hub in this building because there was this great cafe that opened brilliant underneath us which was fabulous and bookshop was huge that back in the day of like you know where you went had coffee and looked at books and um (laughs) (laughs) and there was this other little tiny little shop right um and it came up for lease and somebody said to me you should open the shop I'm like no I'm not doing retail no 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 I I have a wellness center and a yoga studio I'm not doing retail (laughs) and I was adamant and I went to bed one night had a dream about opening a shop woke up in the morning marched in there and signed the lease (laughs) really (laughs) yeah did that so um yeah so uh i can't remember the question now but there you go there was that (laughs) oh incredible um i love the idea of um wellness stations or hubs as well like i love Mm. the concept of that and i love when there's like a little community of shops that are very synergize with one another like Mm. it makes sense yeah um one that comes to mind is an osteopath that i um occasionally visit uh movement by design he's in a wellness hub that has like infrared sauna and recovery boots and then there's a crossfit studio Mm. out the back and then there's a dietitian and all these uh different um complementary um practices that Mm. just make sense yeah and in that sense like that is so beautiful the idea of you have the yoga studio that you can practice in and Mm. then you have um the therapist like mass uh, massage therapists and naturopaths and then you can make your way down and have some food after like it's just so um that's exactly how it was and then they'd also come into the shop and then they'd buy a whole bunch of stuff but i remember now what we were talking about oh okay (laughs) we're talking about my yoga practice yes (laughs) so um Originally in the business, I was also, I trained as a massage therapist. So I massaged for a couple of years and everything as well. Um, But yoga, I was always just like naturally flexible. And so I'd do a couple of yoga classes here and there myself. Um, And this part of me just like always knew that yoga was going to be something big in my life. And well, it was because we had up to 25 classes a week. And that was before the days of apps that would manage 
all the bookings and payments, right? Yes. <laughs> so completely different scenario now. Getting back to like, you know, how um, you have to focus on what your heart really wants and keep coming back to that and that is practice. And, you know, you have a vision and you set about going towards making that become manifest. Well, I just remembered that years after I'd opened the business and the shop was downstairs and the other business was upstairs and all of that was happening, I came across uh, an assignment that I did at um, at uh, the natural the College of Natural Medicine and it was like, um, describe your perfect business once you graduate. I read it and I was like, no way. I described, I described the business that I actually created. And this is well before I even thought of opening a yoga studio and I'd forgotten all about it, right? I was just like, this is how it's going to be done because I'd seen that model of like a shop with rooms at the back working. But what I had forgotten was that I'd already seen a vision of this place and written about it a couple of years before I actually built it. So, you know, that's what I mean by I was naturally doing this stuff that I now have the systems and the tools and the techniques and the processes to take you through it, for example, Mm. and I know that it's going to actually work. So good. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... You know, <laughs> that's how that's how you founded your creative hub or the that's or the practice. Yeah, it just it happened because it just I was aligned with something greater than myself. Like I wanted in this when I read this document that I'd written, it was like about being in service. It was about um, serving the community, creating a hub, doing all of that. And I'd completely forgotten about that when mm. I actually went looking for it. But my heart didn't forget. So it was you know, magnetizing all of the right places, opportunities and people towards me. So that was a very long period of life that, um, that I had the business that was, um, overall 19 years. 19 years. So you closed up shop. 2016. 2016. Still pretty fresh. I'd say like for, for a business. Yeah. I sold the, I ended up separating it into two different, um, businesses to sell. So I, after having two kids and you know trying to have a life and run these businesses which were very labor intensive and and you know without mind body apps and things like that um how did you actually sign people? employees how did you sign people in with classes did people just show up <laughs> oh no way pen and paper and then it's just like you, you show up or you don't show up yeah um you call and you say i'd like to book into a class <laughs> And the receptionist says, great, can I take your details? Wow, so you'd have to hire a receptionist as I well. had receptionists, yeah. yeah. So, you know, two years after opening, I opened the shop. And then two years after that, I had my first child. And then, um, and so I really, I went, I, I had to basically give up, either give up being a mother and being, you know, one of the most influential people in my child's life. I had to give that up or employ people to do jobs that I was doing. So that's what I did. Yeah. And I managed all of the admin stuff and, you know. Incredible. Was that a difficult choice to make in your eyes? No. Yes and no. Mm. Like this is the thing that I constantly, you know, come back to. It's like what do I love? What do I love the most? What do I value? And, you know, when it came to love or money, I wish I could say that I was able to do both and there are people in this world and that's like one of my things that I really um, want to embody is that capacity to do both. And I'm in a different stage in my life now anyway. So, 
but back then it was like I'm going to have to forfeit some money in order to do what I love and at the moment I love this child and I want to be one of the main influences in her life. I don't want her to be brought up by childcare. That's just the choice that I'm making and there's nothing wrong with that at all with people who make those choices or if they have to make those choices. Just for me, that's what I wanted for me. So it was difficult in lots of ways because financially it was a strain. Because you mentioned there wasn't maternity maternity leave, and plus you were running your own I was business, running my own as, business as well. So uh, it's just like no super, yeah, no no maternity Nothing. leave, none wow. of that. So well, I had my husband, so he was involved in the business in the early years, and then um, eventually he was like, um, oh, he's a carpenter, and being stuck inside all the time was just too hard. Didn't like it. So you know, he he then went out and was doing other things. But um, I had at one point I had forty people working from that place. So some of which were employed, and others were contractors. Hmm. Yeah. Uh- any stage of your life other than when it did happen did you envision yourself running your own business um i know you you speak about sort of writing it and describing your dream plays mm. but that was that like an oversight was that something that you never really considered you were just writing it for the sake of the assignment well i think when i made the choice to when i made the decision to actually study herbal medicine and also study massage therapy when I was still employed, it was with the view to become self-employed. To be a business owner, well, same sort of thing. You're self-employed, you own a business. Um, I've always had leadership qualities. I've always been a leader. So it it kind of felt natural to me to have my own business um, because my dad had his own business, small business. So, yeah, I was enthusiastic about it, but it wasn't like, you know, I woke up when I was 17 and went, oh, think I want to have my own business absolutely (laughs) it's funny as well the um upbringing perspective as well especially the parental figures and how influential they can be on a child um I always fall back on like the alcoholic dad uh rhetoric where it's like if you have a dad who's an alcoholic um then you're either going to become one or you're going to stray completely away from it. And it seems that from your dad's perspective, he ran his own business. You took inspiration from that. And that's the journey that you're going on. And I see like my mom doing entrepreneurial things like doing PT uh, with clients and uh, running her own business as well as doing PT hobbies, uh, PT gigs on the side as well. Um, I take inspiration from that. And that's like a life that I see fit as well. Mm, um, that's just great. A, yeah. Funny little um I don't know. It's just like you take inspiration from the people that are closest to you as well. Yeah. Well, you, you, you're building evidence to, to suggest that that's going to be a successful pathway. Mm, 100%. Um, and what what inspired the, the selling of the businesses? Had you just had your time mm. um, sort of go over it at the end yeah, of it? Yeah, I did. I was totally over it. <laughs> <laughs> I really was. Well, this year, because, honest, yeah? Yeah. well, true, you know, like I was very passionate about it for a lot of years because I could not have had a business that long and be successful at it if I wasn't passionate about it. And every couple of years I would recreate my role, you know, just I'd go to the next thing. I'd always have something next, next, next that I wanted to create, that I wanted to do. And I set the business up in the, in the beginning like as if it uh, – like a franchise – you know, so I wanted that to be the model and then, you know, I had a business plan and everything in the beginning and with the view to maybe expanding and selling that model to people. But 
the model was flawed. <laughs> Let's be honest. In the day, it was flawed. <laughs> at least you could look back at it and be like, well, yeah. That well, was yeah, it. I think there's still a lot of um, businesses that, that operate that way, mm. the same way, that the same, in the same model that mine was, was operating with contractors and all of that. It's a little bit better now because you don't need so much reception staff and things like that. But um, and also you've got the internet. And you've got you've got it's just you know you're not necessarily having to trade time for money. Mm, absolutely. Um, and that was predominantly the limitations on that business. Um, and so yeah, so I just it wore me out. Yeah, it wore me out. It, I, I was burnt out in the end, and so all my passion was gone. Yeah, was there a particular moment that? sparked that loss of passion or was it just the <laughs> just idea like of just a progressive yeah. um like a yeah. snowball yeah it's like yeah it's burnout mm. i had burnout so i um i was like no i've got to let this go because um yeah it just wasn't inspiring me anymore um it was draining me so i sold that part for and that's another great serendipitous story because you know everyone said oh you know it's not good times to sell small business you'll be lucky to get anything for it don't get your hopes up get a broker do this do this do that blah 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 but the way that i ran my business because it was like a healing center and i was on my spiritual journey at that point um when I opened that business. So I was approaching business from a very different perspective anyway, listening very carefully to the signs and the, and listening to my heart again, what's aligned for me. And I just kept, I just felt really confident that it would be suitable for say a chiropractor and their partner to buy. It would be a great business for that. And I actually described exactly, you know, who I imagined would really thrive in this, with this business would really like do well with it if they were both a professional couple and both therapists and married and you know wanted to have this business and and when I decided that I was going to sell I was like right I'm serious I'm selling this business I'm letting it go I'm done within two weeks I met this woman she came in and she was from uh, interstate and she came looking for a, a massage position because she was wanted her and her husband wanting to move to Melbourne and as I'm talking to her, I'm like, mm, I don't think that you actually want a massage position. I think you actually want your whole whole centre like this. And she went, oh, I really do. I said, do you want to buy this one? Because <laughs> <laughs> her husband was a what chiropractor. The what the fuck? <laughs> That's crazy. And she went, I think I do. <laughs> Seriously, I sold that business to that woman. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you're like, that's because I was fully in alignment with my truth. This is what I wanted. And, you know, I'd gotten the vision. This is like the person. And so I recognized her when she arrived. I was like, oh, you're the person. <laughs> so, oh, my sold. God. And the way I sold my shop as well, because I once I sold that, I was just spending time in my shop going, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have to find my passion again because it was all dried up. I'm like, I'm over it. I'm, I'm like, there I was in service of the whole community and I feel I feel like I'm poor and I'm, mm. you know, burnt out and, oh, well, it's me. And um, anyway, so with the shop, once I decided again that I was going to sell, Oh, I actually got a job with somebody else before I sold it. I was running someone else's um, um, natural health business. Okay. And so anyway, I um, I decided I wanted to sell and I said, and I never did Facebook posts. I was not 
I'm not a Facebook. I had I had one of my staff used to post things for the shop, and anyway, so I did a post that just said, you know, I finally decided to sell my business. If anyone wants it, message me. And about two weeks later, when my employee said to me, "Have you checked your messages?" On I'm like, no. She said, about three hours after I posted that, a woman said, "I'm interested." I sold the business to her. <laughs> I think it's um yeah a testament to the community that you were able to build in like such a strong mm. hub as well. So, um, and, and people talk, you know, like, mm. no, um, what is it? News gets around that there's this new health center that, or not new, but there's a health center around really great location and people have eyes on something mm. that you are doing because yeah. essentially you might be living the dream that they want to live. So yeah, yeah incredible. Um, how everything sort of unfolded and the way that you were manifesting everything or the way that you were so in line with everything and it mm. just fell into place. Yeah. Um, it's something that's so hard to come by in mm. today's day and age with so much noise and, and um, just distraction and, and opinions. and Back to practice, full yeah, circle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, that get in the way. I still get people coming up to me, especially working at Lululemon because, you know, yoga. Mm. Um, so many people will come and say, oh, I recognise you. Where do I recognise you from? And I'll be like... I have seen you? that happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I'm like, oh, are you from Elthamere? And they're like, yeah. I said, sentient being. And they're like, yes. That was the name of my business. So, um, yeah, so... We impacted thousands of people with what we offered at the time. Like it really was um, sort of the beginning. We were very fringe at the time and now it's mainstream. It's just like extraordinary the way yoga is so mainstream. Um, And it was really only just flourishing through the 90s and early 2000s. So we were ahead of the curve. I know, you really caught on. You're like the innovators in in the product life cycle. I love it. Um, I guess let's talk about the yoga influx and how mm. mainstream it has become. I guess there is like still that stigma around spirituality. I think a lot of people are opposed to jumping full bandwagon onto it as well. Mm. It might be the next thing to go, to be honest, because yoga mm. was that um, was that phenomenon that people are like, oh, like not too sure. Is it actually that good? And then mm. now you see men. I think men are like the late adopters for a lot of things, mm. um, stepping into yoga classes and really getting into practice with mm. it. Um What's your thoughts on, okay, firstly, it becoming mainstream? Yeah. So, um, you know, after years and years of having a yoga studio and just doing sporadic yoga, it wasn't until 2019 that I actually developed a daily yoga practice. And I mean every single day. And discipline and me, not friends, right? Like seriously. I'm disciplined because, I, I you know, I want to achieve something at the end of the day, but Discipline for me personally, sticking with things for myself, not not very good. And we've seen that throughout the course of your career. It's like, what's next? What's going to inspire me? Yeah, so, that's yeah. right. That's right. So um, I made a decision that I was going to have, I wanted a yoga practice and I wanted to do it every single day. So I, I get on the mat every single day, even if it's like just to lay there in child's pose. <laughs> But it's a practice, right? So going back to practice. But yoga going mainstream was very Californian, you know, like I think it did become something where people were wanting to be seen, like the beautiful people did it. And I think for a long time it lost its its true purpose, its true 
capacity to transform a person and to connect them to their to their spirituality and I think there's a lot of people who still do yoga who are not engaged at that level yoga actually came out of the tantric path like which is just a a whole range of practices that's it's like a science or a technology for spirituality and yoga was one of the things that came out of of that and we've adopted it in the west but you know if you were to follow the whole pathway it involves a lot of practices to build energy body to do to connect with sound through mantra connecting to um, breath all of that actually starts to wake a person's energetic body up and connects them to something that's beyond their physical self Mm. and I think I'd love for that part of yoga to become mainstream and that you know it's it's not a a fringe thing to be spiritual you know because it's really funny because I have been spiritual for like since my early 20s like that's all I know and I've hung out with people who are just in that whole reality so I've really lived in a bit of a bubble and so I don't see myself as spiritual in a way you see yourself as normal so I'm normal exactly so I've had a lot of reluctance to actually going out and talking about my spirituality because one I don't want to be seen to be on the bandwagon of everyone talking about spirituality and secondly it's just natural it's like it's this is me it's just who we are Mm. it's um, and it's and it evolves and it changes and it grows. So I really hope that if if when yoga truly does go in mainstream, that the true yoga goes mainstream. So it's not just a hot lady in group pants. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, like doing this daily yoga practice, you know, and you know, you can't just do yoga once a week. From mm. my perspective. Good for you. Good just to do yoga. Um, I celebrate that. That's amazing. I love that. So if you just do yoga once a week, that's fabulous. But if you really want to do yoga, yoga is a daily practice. Yoga is just a way to actually um, grow, expand, transform. Um, it's it's about, um, yeah, really just expanding your whole capacity to be your natural true self, mm. free of conditioning, free of, you know, it's a path of liberation, basically. 100%. Um, yeah, the commercialization of uh, these practices is what probably kills them in, at the end. Um, yes and no. Like, I actually think it's, it's okay. You know, it, whatever gets the message out there and the truth will prevail. Like, it's true. It, it will have this resilience that will cut through all of that stuff. Mm, true. Because if people are doing yoga, if they start off doing yoga because they want to look and feel beautiful from the inside out, that's great. They'll eventually wake up to what else yoga is about. So, yeah, keep doing it. <laughs> Incredible. I, lo- I love that aspect. I think like, yeah, you don't really talk about or I don't really talk about um, like yoga and the meaning of it um, on the podcast, but it's incredible to see the sort of narr- narrative and, and it's trajectory that it's headed in and where the early adopters are versus currently it's in like its growth stage essentially like people are more and more acclimatized to going and and trying it out and seeing what the hype is um Mm. that it is about but yeah it's i'm keen to see what the spirituality part of it looks like um there have been practices where i've just been like wow like 
I feel awesome mm. from this and I feel so connected and grounded. Mm. Um, and I'm not even like just saying that for the sake of it. Like you genuinely feel some sort of connection and energy from it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's, you don't always feel it. It's like anything, you know, that you're practicing. Some mm. days you're you're on, you're in, you're doing it, um, you're feeling it. Other days you're not. But that's life, right? And that's the practice of life too. It's always just keep coming back. Keep coming back to what you love. Keep coming back to what your heart really wants, to what your passion is. And, you know, over the years I have strayed really far from, you know, from my truth and from my passion and from my spirituality. Mm. But as long as you just keep coming back. Well, I was going to ask as well. So you've uh, run this business for over a decade. 19 years. Yeah, two, almost two, two decades. Mm. And you've really just burnt yourself out and you've lost passion. And passion is one of those things that you... Really, I think like a lot of people die without finding what they are passionate mm. about and it's really sad, but you've found it and then burnt it. Mm-hmm. What was it like refining it? Have you found it? Yeah, again? I was the Phoenix. <laughs> I am the Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. Do, yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. Phoenix. Hey. Yeah. And look, life, to be honest, life got a lot more fiery and there were a lot more ashes. Um, so my husband did pass away in 2020. So I'd put myself in a really great, and the family, in a really great position by being employed at the time and not having a business. So again, just listening, listening again to my intuition about the next step, the next step. And, you know, then life puts you in circumstances to support you even when the worst possible circumstances um, appear. And that was when we were in COVID as well. Yeah, wow. So, I mean, and you want to talk about uh, timing, couldn't have picked a better time to go. If you're going to go, it was a great time in my circumstances for for Russell to go. Um, it was right at the time when we could have 50 people at the funeral. Oh, I didn't call it a funeral. It was a celebration of his yeah, life, right? Yeah. Um, 50 people and we could have interstate people as well. Um, and I uh, had resigned from my work, so I wasn't working. And I was able just to be... On a sabbatical, basically. What does that mean? means I was just doing yoga every day and meditation and walking for like six hours a day. It, just, it meant that I could just fully surrender to the process, fully feel it. And I actually had quite an extraordinary mystical experience uh, at the time of his death. So there's been a few mm. mystical experiences that I've had you know, in my life where spirituality is not a concept for me. It is actually my lived experience. And that was one of those pivotal moments. Hmm. Talk to us about Russell. I didn't realize um, that that was the case. And I'm so glad you've shared. Um, Can you talk to us a bit bit about his impact on you and how he's Mm. managed to support you throughout this whole journey? Yes. Yes. Oh, bless him. So like I said, I fell in love. That was that was probably when we came together, he and I, back in 1994. So that's nearly 30 years yeah. ago. And I, and I said to you that I recognised, I fell in love and that changed my whole view of the world. So basically meeting him changed everything for me. Um, and, and then we, we created the business together. And that was not just a business. That was like we were, we were already on a spiritual journey. We'd done we'd found our spiritual teacher, um, and she was an amazing woman who has since passed. And she she passed quite a few years ago. But she 
taught Reiki, but Reiki was just the way through for her to awaken people to more. And so we had this great spiritual community and Russell was very much part of that. He used to teach meditation and he had amazing, amazing uh, command of energy and healing work and a massive heart, like big, big, big heart. Um, so all the way through the business, he was the support, like, and he was kind of like the, the, the quiet achiever in the background, you know? Um, and I always said, people would always think it was me, all me, but it, it really wasn't. It was he and I together. And we really felt like we were on, we'd had uh, like, we talk about life, life between lives. So if you, if you, if you look at life as a reincarnation, you know, your soul just keeps going. We, we always felt like we made an agreement before this life that we were going to do this together and have a spiritual marriage and then that would go on and on forever, right? So we did a lot of work together where we really connected with um, each other's soul. Mm. So we had a very conscious relationship and we worked on that at that level and it was a beautiful thing and we had lots of beautiful spiritual moments together. Um, and so when he passed... Uh, it was, he just dropped his body. But he was still, like, energetically, I could still feel him. Like, he was totally still there as if he was talking to me, standing next to me, talking to me. Mm -hmm. um, so it was quite profound and extraordinary. And I, so that's why I say I was blessed at the time because I would just be in communion with him Every single day, that's how I felt. Like, and my heart actually it was like it exploded <laughs> in lots of ways. Yeah. Kind of like it broke and it exploded and it opened. And people talk about you know spiritual awakenings and spiritual a Kundalini awakenings and arising. And it's when those energy centers actually activate and open. Um, so I felt like I had a very expansive spiritual experience at that time. Um, and I was fortunate enough to just swim in it and just to be immersed in it for actually quite a few years. I didn't emerge out of that until I got a part-time job at <laughs> <laughs> Really? Wow. Yeah. So through that time, I was doing a lot of online training mm. in with William Whitecloud, who, um, he wrote The Magician's Way and he's the one who has the structure of how to manifest things. So I've had a lot of training with him around intuition development and that was all online. And then I did a lot of training with a woman called Layla Martin, which was the love, sex, relationships um, coaching training. Um, and so I wasn't working, just training and in and immersing myself in my spiritual practices and just feeling and just feeling and wow. experiencing and yeah thank you for sharing journaling yeah a lot a lot of journaling a lot of journaling and a lot of like oh just look a lot of revelation a lot of understanding a lot of I've got journals upon journals upon journals of of things that would just come to me that I just like download just mm information on how things work how things are and yeah so now I'm at that point where I'm I'm looking to actually bring all of my training all of my experience all of my connection including my spiritual marriage that still exists with Russell so like 
all together and offering that in its next incarnation, really. How hard was it to feel like he was still there, but not physically? It was strangely beautiful. Mm. Like, if anyone's going to leave their body, you want to feel like you can feel them still. Because it's... um, it has its inherent challenges, obviously. But if you felt what I felt at his passing and for the months and months afterwards, you'd be like, oh, my God, I want to feel that all the time. And the thing that would trip me up, that would make me upset is like, oh, my God, we had that opportunity to feel like this when he was in a body, you know. So it was like all of the limitations between, say, Okay, so if you're looking at life, we're all one, that oneness, that feeling of oneness that people talk about in spirituality. Have you heard of that? I have, yes. So that feeling of oneness was what I was experiencing. Okay, so it was, and but that's possible, that's possible here and now in your body and in my body with another person. Wow. <laughs> How are you feeling, Jaden? I'm feeling like I'm not overwhelmed, but it's like so interesting and fascinating. Yeah. But how um, are you feeling in your body? How What's happening for you? What's happening? I'm just like really curious. Mm. I think just like nervous excitement is how I would mm. describe it. It's like I, I can feel it a little mm. bit. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and <clears throat> so you've sort of like not crawled but like had this really immersive experience where you're trying to find what that passion is and trying to make the right steps into finding what exactly do I do now Mm. do you feel like you're at a spot where it's time yeah it's time to actually launch into it Mm. I think I had this vision for myself a couple of years ago um, when I did the first work with William Whitecloud He runs a program called Create Your Destiny, by the way. It's very good. But, you know, I can teach the same sort of stuff too. (laughs) Anyway, he actually like one of the things I offer is a vision quest and it uses his techniques and tools to actually take you there. And the vision that I had, the vision quest that I took a couple of years ago, several years ago now, that's all coming to fruition now. Um, And so I feel like 2024 is going to be a big year. (laughs) Care to disclose? Well, you know, I've, I've had a lot of clients coaching in my training and, and just through, through referrals and people who um, have heard about me and want to know what I'm doing. Um, but next year I'm actually launching programs, going to be doing more one-to-one programs, so for passion and purpose coaching and also with couples for love and relationship. And I can do deep dives with people who just feel drawn to work with me. Um, and also going to be doing collaborations with um, a couple of other wise women who are also like uh, very spiritual people and we're all on the same page with wanting to just make it normal. Mm. Just make it normal. Just like get yourself back to your true natural self and Pr- practice. Practice being that. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, we were talk- talking off air about how you would advertise yes coming from that background how are you going to advertise (laughs) i think this one's just a bit interesting to talk about yeah okay so me and social media we're not friends (laughs) 
<laughs> get your receptionist so, to do the Facebook post. Oh, we're so not friends, but I know that I have to mm. engage at some level to do that. Um, yeah. Like if you went and looked me up on Instagram, you'll find I have zero posts, but I've had a profile for a long time. <laughs> and, it's a fake account, guys. <laughs> And you'll see my Facebook account and you'll look on that and you'll go, uh, who is this woman? What does she really think? Because I'm just not, I'm not. So um, I do have a website mm. and um, I am going to do warm networking. Like warm networking? Warm networking. Look, what? it's a new word for just referral based. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> word of mouth. Word of mouth. Brilliant. Yeah. I think it's the old fashioned way. <laughs> it's the old fashioned way, but it's one of the most effective ways. Like that's yeah. one of the best ways. Um, I was talking to, I think the episode will be out, but Tash was talking about um, how all the undercover uh, spiritual guiders or leaders or mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I'm not too, mm-hmm. too up to date with the uh, lingo. People who are masterful in that. Yeah. Um, people who specialize as well. They yeah don't have the profiles and they don't um, necessarily overtly monetize it and say mm. I'm gonna fix you mm. like yeah, I have yeah. the solve to all your issues mm. and yeah you're um, not broken <laughs> so the ones that are a bit underground lay low they're the ones to, to it trust. feels more true to me but there's also like there's a lot of value in being seen. 100%. Um, so, you know, it's about walking that line along, <laughs> walking that line between am I trying to stay small or, am you know, is it true that, that I don't want to be on social media being out there? And, I look, I have huge resistance to, to being out there and talking about what I do and how I do it and what's my niche and all of the marketing stuff. Um, this is a good start. I do have in my vision a podcast because I love that because it is just talking with people and it's amazing as you would know what comes out in these intimate conversations. It's like I love that. I love it. I love it. Lights me up. It fills my cup up. I think just yeah. like hearing people's stories and just what they have to say as well. Mm. Um, Mon, it's been an incredible chat. I want to thank you so much for your time. Mm. Before we conclude, is there anything you'd like us to end on, um, particularly for people who are maybe feeling a bit lost in themselves, um, haven't quite discovered their purpose in life, still navigating that idea of, oh, like everyone else is doing such big and greater things than me, um, mm. but I'm, what am I doing? Having mm. that imposter syndrome, is there something you'd like to leave on? Yeah, I think that, yeah, don't worry. Like it will reveal itself. And just connect with what you're passionate about. And if you don't know what you're passionate about, just start exploring, exploring different things and seeing what lights you up. You know, if you sit there and think about it too long, you're not going to actually find anything. You're actually just stalling. So for me, it's about, you know, just connecting with what lights you up. Um, And if you don't know, trying a whole bunch of things. Yeah. It's that stalling um, phase that always gets people. I think, um, say in a podcasting instance, it's all about, oh, I want to grab like the latest camera so that I'm able to record it mm. or the latest mics and those sorts of things. Mm. But being able to just put yourself out there, um, try the things that you might not have tried um, previously and just seeing whether you like it or not, because at least 
you either like it or you don't like it and then you know that you don't like it and mm. then you can move on to the next aspect. Yeah. So. And I think learning to listen to your intuition. Mm. So intuition something that grows when you take action. So you get, you get an inkling about something, you get a feeling, you get a thought, you have a whisper. And if you act on that, that intuition grows. So when you act on it, you get evidence that, oh, that actually worked. What else, what other little whispers are there that are being, you know, that are being sent to my consciousness for me to act on? So it is, it is about listening very carefully. And when you hear the message and you say, oh, no, I can't do that. Or, oh, no, I don't want to do that. That's when you have to really listen <laughs> and push your growth edges because it is, again, it comes back to the evolution of the soul. Like, what are you here to evolve what do you, you know, you, you evolve when you evolve, I evolve. And when we both evolve, the whole planet evolves and let's face it, we really need evolution in the right direction. So like listening to your heart, listening to those little whispers and taking the action and then letting, letting life actually show you that you're supported. Mm. Brilliant. Mon, it's been, yeah, an absolute pleasure. Um, unpacking your story i feel like we did a really good job for no form and off the cuff um i appreciate you sharing your journey about um yeah everything really far out what didn't we go over um yeah i think it's a testament to your character like you're such a flamboyant figure who's like a go-getter and just the way that you've approached life entering well, firstly flying overseas as well to become an international student and then coming back and not really aligning with the corporate world and understanding that that wasn't your true alignment and then really just finding and listening to the intuition and discovering your why. And then I think the narrative around when you have found your why, it isn't necessarily an infinity um, gauntlet or something that lasts forever. It most definitely can lead you into burnout. And I think that's such an incredible perspective to have where you've faced burnout and then you've taken the time to rekindle yourself and regather and now you've found another um, passion and it just proves that, you know, there's so many different pathways to life and there's no one cookie cutter way to go about it and as humans, like, and as I think young students because that's what the demographic is here, like, take advice from Mon Monique um, Mm -hmm. because she has so much to offer and yeah I really appreciate your time. Thank you Jaden I'm so grateful for the opportunity to sit and chat with you and thank you so much for having me on your podcast you're an inspiration thank you very much (laughs) you are big heart big heart oh I appreciate it (laughs) Um, I'm going to do my advertising now. Yeah, <laughs> so you go for it. Be sure to follow at Life With Them podcast and we'll catch you in the next episode. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>